Hello, and welcome to Tick Tech Talk, episode 10, where we hear from our professor who has a magnet in his finger. I'm Rob. I'm Candace. And I'm Jim. And Jim, thank you so much for coming to our uh, our 10th our 10th episode. I'm not going to say anniversary, but it's almost like an anniversary. I feel like we've been married for 10 years, Rob. That's okay. <laughs> so, Jim, um, could you speak a little bit to what you do and why you got this modification? Sure. Uh, so, I'm Jim Malazita. I'm a lecturer in the Science and Technology Studies Department at Rensselaer Polytechnic, where you both go. Um, so yeah, I'm a social scientist, so one of the things that we as social scientists do is study the social, uh, and the best way to do that is by actually getting involved with the groups that you're trying to study, and the best way to get involved is to try to take part in the same activities that they do. Uh, so I was interested in looking at groups that use technology to modify the body, um, so I ended up actually going to the back room of a piercing tattoo shop in Newark, New Jersey and getting a magnet installed in my left hand and an RFID chip installed in my right hand, uh, which gave me some street cred with that group. And uh, yeah, so now I'm writing about it and talking about it and hanging out with you guys on your very special 10th show. Yeah, well, thank you for being here. And I think I speak for both of us when I say that's absolutely fascinating. You know, it's something I've only briefly heard about in other articles, but to have to meet somebody um, and also take your class, <laughs> it's really, really cool to hear about it. And I think, you know, it's interesting as we see more and more tech revolve around the body, like we've talked about wearables before. Yeah, um, we'll include some links in our show notes or some articles that Jim had us reference and also some ones that we read in passing. The big one was the Verge article that talked about the reporter's own body modification. But when you went to the, the piercing shop and everything, so did you bring your own, how did the process of you acquiring the RFID chip and the magnet come? Did you order it online, on eBay? Yeah, uh, so usually piercing shops don't supply their own body mod um, equipment. Uh, so I did have to order it. I actually got both of them online from a shop in Sweden uh, <laughs> called, uh, if you're interested in ordering your own, uh, though I cannot um, suggest that anyone actually undergo the procedure, uh, but if you do decide for whatever reason, uh, a shop called Dangerous Things. Um, so you just order online. I got the RFID chip, which is about the size of, I don't know, maybe a centimeter long, and it came in a maybe six inch long piercing needle and syringe uh, that was wow. completely sterilized. Um, and the magnet is a neodymium rare earth magnet, which actually, despite the name, isn't all that rare of a metal. Uh, that's three millimeter by one millimeter, so it's about a third of the size of a grain of rice. Um, that did not come with a pierced needle. That had to be installed in a uh, much more drawn out process. Uh, but yeah, so you bring these to the piercing artist and you say, hey, I want to get these installed, and usually if the piercing artist knows you, then it's fine. Otherwise, they might look at you kind of weird. <laughs> but luckily, one of my buddies was good friends with this artist in uh, in Jersey, so I had my, my way in, and he just took me to the back room, and half an hour later, I came out with bloody hands and... Uh, Wow. Some equipment installed. Yeah. So, and usually you can't go to a doctor, right? Because they usually follow that practice, like do no harm or do nothing that's like <laughs> unnecessary, right? It's not common for you to go to your. Yeah, it's it varies state by state, and it's actually really complicated. Uh, so, yeah, the the Hippocratic Oath, right? Do no harm. Um, the practice of body modification in any formats is kind of a gray area for for doctors. So things like plastic surgery, um, you know, so breast implants, the new big thing is like buttock implants actually, or like even Botox. 
uh, are generally considered to be beautification practices because you're, you know, those procedures are dangerous. They're actually super, super dangerous, yeah. uh, even under the care of a doctor. But because they're seen as getting your body to a better standard of normal, that is the doctor helping you. So those things are legally cleared. Uh, things that can be considered disfigurement, like some types of tattoos, scarification, body piercing in general, especially subdermal piercing like what I have, um, is usually not covered under medical practice. So often doctors either will refuse to do it um, because they have a moral kind of uh, resistance to it, or because they just, it's such a legal gray area, they don't want to open themselves up to malpractice suits. Um, in some states, it's completely illegal. So like for, in Kansas, for example, it's actually totally illegal to get any tattoos at all. Um, really? So it really does vary state by state. So you can't walk into a tattoo parlor in Kansas. You can't own a tattoo parlor in Kansas. So I don't think that- Don't have a chance. Yeah, I don't know if that means that people don't, but technically uh, these things are, are very heavily regulated state by state. Interesting, I really never knew that. Yeah, like I imagine like, Either it curves the the amount of tattoos getting done in Kansas, or like the number of like inside of someone's van tattoos that I'm imagining. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that happens a lot. Uh, but it's it's funny, you know, tattoos and body modifications become sort of a mainstream cultural practice now. But even in New York, they weren't really legal until the 1970s. Even so just been, standard tattoos and piercings. Even just standard tattoos. So it's been uh, uh, a rapid um, acceptance acceptance movement. Yeah. Wow. That's fascinating. It's something I really know nothing about. Do you think this type of, so the, uh, the modifications that you did will become commonplace in the future? Will we have to worry, like as parents ourselves, that our teenage kids came back with magnets and RFDs everywhere? Or be supporting our children and pushing them towards this, maybe. Yeah. Uh, you know, I could see maybe the, the finger magnets being kind of like the equivalent of getting your ear pierced in the 90s, right? Like oh, really? maybe that guy could see that happening. Um, it's a long and kind of painful procedure, so I'm not sure how popular it's really gonna become. <laughs> yeah. uh, the RFID chip, um, I could see being a little more common. Uh, we've already seen instances of companies, for example, in California that have required their workers to get RFID chips implanted. Uh, it, ways of, I mean, it's not like a GPS, not they can track workers, but yeah. kind of a way of like um, documening clock in and clock outs. Uh, really? Which brings up a lot of like human rights issues. What kind of jobs were these that they were being required to do? Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I think it was basically manual labor for... Um, wow. wow. Yeah. I didn't think that'd be legal. So like if you were to decide to leave the job or something, would you have to get it removed or like... And who pay? <laughs> these are the big questions. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it gets... It gets... It's a slippery slope. Oh, okay. So I have a question for you. Sticking to, I guess, the uh, the, the choice modifications. Is this like a tattoo in the sense that once you get one, you want to get another? Or you know, how's your reaction after having gotten one? Um, is it positive? <laughs> okay. Uh, so it is kind of like a tattoo, although I will have to say I don't actually have tattoos. So I managed to get metal shoved in my body before I got a tattoo. <laughs> um, so because the procedures are not sanctioned by, by doctors and therefore you won't get doctors to do it, um, Medicine in the United States is very heavily regulated. Uh, that includes antibiotics and that includes anesthetic, which means that when you're getting these procedures, you almost never have access to anesthetics. And if you do, it's because they fell off the back of a truck or something. Um, so when you're having a relatively long procedure done without anesthetics, so something that takes up to 20 minutes, mm -hmm. uh, adrenaline will kick in and you get kind of an adrenaline high. Um, and it, 
in a weird way is kind of addictive. So I'm not saying that I'm like willing to ready, like go jump back in. <laughs> um, but these same body piercers will uh, even do temporary piercings just to get that, that, that high back. Yeah, so there's like a practice called suspension where you get hooks dug into your back and you're literally suspended from the skin on your back. Um, and you like sway a little bit and it hurts a lot, but then the adrenaline kicks in and it's like this really great feeling, um, which can be addictive like a tattoo can be. For those not viewing this, me and Kaz, both of our, both of our mouths open right now. Just the image of someone <laughs> swinging back and forth like a swing, like a human swing right oh now. Oh my playing. God. Um, but what kind of was the healing process? If you don't want to describe more of the actual pain and stuff, but what, how much, how long did it take for you to feel back to normal with your finger and your hand? About a month. Uh, so the the install was 20 minutes. Uh, then we wrapped it up. Um, the initial wound was actually pretty small. Uh, and in fact, that's part of piercer's trainings is to get the largest thing in your body uh, with the smallest incision possible because they don't have access to antibiotics. So mm -hmm. the smaller incision you make, the less chance there are of infection. And they didn't do any type of stitching or anything, right? Sometimes they do. They didn't for me. Okay. Uh, so the wound on the outer layer uh, healed up within maybe about a week, and it took about a month for the swelling to go down for the, the magnet. Uh, the RFID chip went in in about two seconds. They really just lift up the skin, stick in a syringe, and pull it out, and that was healed in like four days. Wow. Did you lose any sensation or anything in your finger uh, when they did the incision and things like that too? Uh, it was more like... Like kind of that feeling after you get stung by a bee or something. Like it's, it's numb, but because it's just kind of swollen. Mm -hmm. uh, but there was no like permanent sensation loss or anything like that, no. Pulsing pain. Have you, have you been able to feel magnetic fields? Like, is it, was it worthwhile? Does it work? Yeah, yeah, it does work. Uh, so I actually had to get it done twice because the first time the magnet rejected because it didn't heal right. Oh, really? Um, so the first time I got it done, uh, I felt magnetic pulls right away, but because the magnet wasn't in deep enough, it was essentially too close to the top layer of skin, uh, it was incredibly painful. Like every time I was near a hard drive or like a fridge magnet or you anything. You feel it kind of wanting to like rip out. Yeah, it, it was like a sharp pain. Um, so it was actually like kind of a relief when it finally rejected out of my body. Uh, the second time uh, it got put in better. Uh, so it was deeper and I didn't feel the first magnetic pull until maybe about three weeks in. Uh, and then a couple weeks after that, the the scarring and swelling had completely gone down, and now it's it's fairly sensitive to uh, magnetic and electromagnetic fields. So, like for a point of reference, could you tell when this microphone turned on, stuff like that, or is it not that sensitive? <laughs> uh, it's not that sensitive. If I had my finger right up next to the microphone, I could tell. Um, so, for example, different EMPs give off different strengths and have different um, uh, frequencies. So. The best way I can describe it is like you're you're pushing your hand through like the static that you would see on like one of those like 1990s TVs, like when you're turned to a channel that's not. Oh, weird. Um, so like for example, I'll very rarely feel the magnet when I'm typing on my laptop, uh, except when I save and the hard drive like whirs up, and, you, and, and then you, I feel the hard the, drive. The magnet. Oh wow. I heard you had a little um, running with your MagSafe connector. Is that true? Is that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I stick to that sometimes. Um, yeah, any any in general, just strong magnets. Um, they don't feel like painful, but there's a. It's always surprising when you feel something that you don't expect that is magnetized that actually turns out to be. Um, so sometimes that means just like little toys or something that have magnets in them that suddenly you feel a pull from. Uh, but also, it it kind of makes you realize uh, 
the vast ways in which our world is like wired in these like kind of really hidden ways. So I had no idea, and it makes total sense, but I had no idea how wired airports were. Like if I bend over to tie my shoe at an airport, my hand gets dragged to the floor. There's just wire wiring everywhere at every airport I've been at. Oh, wow. To make it operational. What's had, what has been the most surprising sensation? Like where was a place that you felt some type of feel that you didn't expect? Uh, you know, it's, it's silly. Uh, but probably the most surprising thing that I, I didn't expect was the first time I turned on my vacuum cleaner. Uh, and I guess my vacuum cleaner just has really terrible shielding around the wiring because I can feel when the vacuum cleaner's on, I can actually feel the current traveling through the cord. Uh, so if you have like any electronic device where it's not very well shielded, if I run my finger up and down and I can actually feel the electricity moving through it. So you can tell like what's a live wire and what's not. Oh, wow. Has it ever stopped you or impeded you in your daily your daily life? Have you ever been to a situation where it's like, I feel too many magnets or I don't feel comfortable going to this place? Uh, so the, the worst thing that's happened so far was uh, like 10 seconds before I went through airport security where I was like, oh, right, I have metal in me now. What's going to happen? But actually nothing really happened. Uh, I think a blip turned up on one of those body scanners. But again, both implants are so small that nothing came up and... You know, I'm like a hipstery looking white guy. So they're like, yeah, you're fine. Just let me go through. <laughs> um, so that was probably the, the most fear that I've had about it. But. And you can't have an MRI, right, from what I read. Is that one of the main things? That are That's stopping? kind of uh, an urban legend, even within the uh, body modification okay. environment. So it would hurt if I went in unshielded. Um, but it wouldn't do the thing where people expect like, oh, it's going to rip out and like shoot around the MRI machine and kill you. Uh, it would just vibrate a lot. But you can shield parts of your body from mm -hmm. an MRI. So that's actually what you just have to inform whomever before you go in, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I actually have had doctors, um, probably the worst experience I've had with it was I went into a uh, doctor's office for a completely unrelated procedure. And I actually had to like wait an extra couple of hours because the nurses didn't know what to do with my hands to like put in <laughs> IVs. They were like, oh, you have metal in your hands? Like, that's really weird. We don't feel comfortable putting like syringes in you. Um, and this is actually a fairly common problem for um, uh, people who have body modifications is not just finding doctors who like judge them based off appearances. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's a whole problem that people with tattoos face a lot too. Uh, but then also people feeling uncomfortable treating them for medical conditions that are completely unrelated to the body modification. Interesting. Interesting. How do you usually explain it? Do you just say, I have a body modification? Or do you try to be like, I have a metal splinter? <laughs> no, I usually um, uh, am pretty blunt and upfront about it, uh, partially because I like seeing what people's reactions are, you know, for science. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it was really just... Um, I just try to explain it. Hey, I have a microchip in this hand and a magnet in this hand. Uh, this is when I got them installed and this is what they do. So I try to be very kind of like upfront and professional with it, which has worked generally, but it's, there's, there is uh, some reaction, yeah. Uh, so you've te like you're teaching students right now, since you're a college professor, what's been the funniest reaction slash question you've gotten from a college student? Uh, funniest question. Um, Usually the reactions are just, in general, like looks of disgust. Uh, I think I've, I've had a couple students like need to leave the room when I start lecturing about it. Um, I like to make it a point of like showing images that I, like pictures that I took of like when, during the procedure and getting installed. Uh, so that's always fun. Um, I mean, I'm just not a good professor. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, and then I also, I get the students, I met this just happened last week, where um, 
students will do the thing where like they'll you know, like stick their fingers in their ears and just start singing until they see that I'm done talking. Uh, that that happens occasionally. Do you incorporate it into your teaching? Like every class, do you bring it up, or how do you transition into what you've done? Uh, so some classes I bring it up just to um, because I want to, uh, but in other classes I actually bring it up as examples of either design work or information work. So uh, I teach an information technology and society course, and actually I'm lecturing about. Uh, the magnet, the magnet and RFID implants next week uh, for ways of thinking through like how the body interacts with the technology, and usually think about that in terms of like wearable computing. Yeah. But this is almost the inverse of wearable computing, right? It's permanent. It's installed. It's like underneath your skin. It has less flexibility to it. Um, so thinking through like what that means for the body when we start actually shoving things into us. What are your thoughts on wearable computing? And uh, you know, I guess the inverse of wearable computing is you putting, but as we combine machinery and humans more and more. And I feel like it almost seems inevitable that this trend will continue. Um, I know you've probably spoken to this at length, but what are your thoughts on that? And especially having this experience that's so unique. Yeah, uh, so one of the reasons I was really attracted to getting the implants done is I actually met, I had known the people who would do the implants for a while beforehand. Um, and I noticed that the way in which they talked about like body modification and techno modification was very different than how I usually hear it talked about on college campuses or like God forbid on TED Talks, um, where you have this this transhumanist rhetoric of oh well the more technology we have access to the better we can make the body and eventually we'll like we can transcend the human limits of the human body or whatever. It's they always use like the the Olympian right like Oscar Pretorius before the, all that yeah. terrible murder stuff happened. Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. It turns out technology can't make you a good person. Um, <laughs> So, but yeah, there, there's this like techno-optimist rhetoric of like, oh, well, eventually the human body will be great and we'll upload our consciousness, blah, blah, blah. Um, these implants have very arguably made my body worse. Uh, so like the RFID chip, like if someone squeezes my hand too hard, like in a handshake, like it bruises, right? It's a metal piece of metal that's under my skin. Mm -hmm. The um, magnet, while it's coated in a, in a bio-neutral coating, so my body theoretically shouldn't reject it, it probably will at some point in my life, and that'll be really painful. Um, and also it's a sharp-edged magnet underneath my skin, so if I put too much pressure on my finger, like say doing something like rock climbing, that's gonna hurt. Yeah. So like the exchange is, oh, I can feel my electric field sometimes, but literally my grip is now worse. Hmm. Um, and the ways in which this community talks about modifications is actually not in this, we're making the body better, but in what I find much more interesting way of we're just making the body different, right? So it's not about improving, it's about differentiating our experiences and, and acceptance of, and these things aren't permanent, right? They're not designed to be removed, but again, they're things that, turns out the human body doesn't want things that are stuck inside of it. So it's going to try to reject it at some point, and there's kind of like a general acceptance that, yeah, at some point these things are gonna come out. Hmm. Yeah, that's true, I, I just said that, and you hit the <laughs> right in the head. Yeah, I think the, the closest thing for me personally understanding this is like, I've either had like earrings that, you know, I've grown out of and like the one whole closed, or, or even just like the braces, like braces were painful, they're on top of the teeth, they're in the mouth and everything, and they're meant to, to modify my body, but then afterwards they were removed properly, and now I'm left without having this metal in my mouth. So now I just can't imagine having something in my finger yeah. permanently. The closest I have is I chip my tooth, which is barely <laughs> anything at all, but I did, you know, there's times when I notice it, which I think is very interesting, like I know it's there, and when it's missing, I know it's there, but when I have the implant in, if I don't think about it, like, I don't even know, which I think is also very interesting because my tooth, you know, isn't real, and I can feel the slight bump, but mm -hmm. I imagine it's, it's you know, 
<laughs> a much more extreme case, but kind of the same where you almost don't even realize it's there. Yeah, and it they they do tend to fade into the background after a while. Um, although I will say, uh, in the couple of months between the first magnet implant and the second one when I had to get it redone, uh, even though I had kind of stopped noticing the magnet, except when it caused me pain, I did notice its absence. So I, I, I get what you're oh, talking you about. Like I, I felt... I was going to ask you, like, did you go days without noticing that the magnet was there, or you always felt waves wherever you went? Uh, I would say I go... I go hours at a time without really noticing the magnets there. Um, part of that is because I just I'm on my computer a lot, and that's always a constant reminder. Um, but it would take a fairly strong electromagnetic pulse to for me to feel it if I'm not like directly touching something. So like the the strongest pull that I've ever felt where it wasn't like I was in direct surface contact with something was actually a uh, New York City subway train. Um, like going under the street and like I felt the vibration a very 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 tiny bit because huh. like turns out one they're not very well shielded and they put out a lot of power to power all the trains yeah that's crazy yeah it's something you wouldn't even think about like all those networks going around you and like in an airport cool. or in the city right there's already so many sights and sound it's probably very overwhelming for people who have not been in the city so just adding that another dimension of sensation when you go somewhere very busy yeah, and you know, even with the the RFID chip, you know, people are always like, "Well, what is it like to have like radio signals like being emitted from your body?" And I have to remind people, we're, we have radio signals shot through our body constantly. Like right now, just the Wi-Fi in this building is like surrounding us and like penetrating us with with like radio signals. So, yeah, it it makes me more aware of things that actually have always already been happening. Mm. So the RFID chip, um, I don't think we've touched upon that an awful lot. Can you speak to um? what the purpose of it is and um, your thoughts on it, I guess? Yeah, so the RFID chip, uh, it's a um, near-field communication chip, so the same type of technology that you might have like in an EasyPass device where you don't need a battery, it actually gets powered by the, the receiver. Um, so with this RFID chip, if you have an NFC reader installed on your phone, and if the NFC reader is on, and if I can find the very specific small point on the back of your phone where the <laughs> NFC reader happens to be, uh, if you scan my hand, it'll take you to the Philadelphia Phillies baseball website. Um, <laughs> it, it is rewritable, so it doesn't, for the foreseeable future, doesn't have to take you to the Phillies website. Um, I just do that because I'm from Philadelphia and go Phillies. Um, but I have a friend who has it installed, uh, for example, and he has it so that if he touches your phone and again finds the exact spot, uh, it actually loads his contact info onto your phone. So it's his way of like trying to have like a cooler version of a business card. Uh, and other people have like even replaced the locks on their house with like NFC readers so that instead of having a key, they just grip the handle of their, their door wow. and are let in. Secure. Is there like a read write limit on the chip? Like how many times can you write to it? So if you wanted to keep like change it every single day, could you? There, there is a limit, but it's, it's high. Um, I'm not exactly sure, but it's more than I would use in a lifetime. Yeah. Do, do you see yourself changing it a lot? Or like, have you only changed it a few times since you've gotten it installed? So I've only changed it like twice since I've gotten it installed. Um, it's actually kind of like a boring modification. Like very few phones still have the NFC chips in them. Uh, I think the iPhone iPhones no longer have NFC readers in them at all. They, so like if you have an iPhone... They added them, but... It's, it's very open. It's very restrictive. It's only for payments. So I only use it on the vending machine out there. <laughs> and at McDonald's. 
All right. Well, that's good. Uh, so yeah, I guess theoretically I could load like my Apple Pay onto here and like scan <laughs> some things. People always ask us because on the watches, the Apple watches, you can. But like if I had both devices, I never use my watch. It's such a weird angle and the double tap and everything. Now I just can't imagine doing it on my hand. But I yeah, actually, like, I could work just like reach like giving like a, imagine like giving a high five and it's like using the bump technology. Just five bucks. <laughs> oh, I owe you money here. I, oh. I think it'd be cool. Can can you um? Can't you set this up to like unlock your phone so Jim could reach out to the back of his phone and it'd already be unlocked? And he could have it so nobody else could unlock his phone. That'd be cool. There's some like like uh, Android auto- automation where if you put something on top of a pad, you can tr- activate it to do certain activities. Have yep. you ever considered doing that? Oh, yeah. That, in fact, there's, there's apps already out there for the Android that let you um, turn your NFC chip into the unlock screen for your Android and... Uh, yeah, t- only certain functions can be accessed if you if it's you holding the phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed anything else different? Does it have? You said it has less of an impact on you. It's a little bit more boring than your magnet. But what has it really surprised you about? Surprising. Um, I I was surprised at how much, especially when it first got installed. Um, I noticed it. So like the like just physically noticed it in my body. Like it's 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 actually kind of big, and it's near a lot of tendons and veins. Uh, so like, um, when you first get body implants before the scar tissue kind of builds up and then, uh, regular tissue encapsulates it, um, they migrate around. So like I had to make sure, like there was a while where I actually taped up like both sides of my hand for a while to make sure that the Hmm. RFID chip wouldn't migrate into a tendon or into a vein. Um, so that was like kind of an annoying couple of weeks, uh, where it was a lot of like keeping my hand relatively like readjusting it, feeling it, and stuff. Yeah. How accurate does your phone have to be when you tap it? You said it has to be a very small pinpoint. It's S- super accurate. Um, it is like nowhere near as cool as the technology sounds. Like I, it takes me, so I know exactly where the scanner is on my phone, and it still takes me about ten seconds to like find that sweet spot. So like people will hand me their phone and say, oh, I turn on the NFC reader, like do it on my phone. I'll be like, all right, give me a minute. As like I kind of like just navigate around the back of their phone trying to, to turn it on. So yeah, it's uh, uh, I guess one of those like the, the promise of the technology is nowhere near what the actual capabilities of this thing are. Mm. Yeah, I feel like we are a big enough problems where we complain there's like not enough Apple Pay everywhere, but I guess it's due to the size, right, of the chip that you installed that has to be a little bit more precise and accurate. That- yeah, the size of the chip and the size of the reader. So, um, like, phone readers aren't designed to be reading NFC chips from, you know, 30 feet away the way that an easy pass is. So they're they're assuming that you're going to have contact to a very specific point. So it's, yeah, low power and low power and low location. It's fascinating. We're still we're still just trying to process yeah. all this information. <laughs> I still get something about the, the the hooks and the hanging or whatever you called it. Um, oh yeah, the adrenaline rush of the piercings <laughs> and stuff. We, um, but did you want to go a little bit into more of your research? So you're a social scientist and you did this to go in par with your research. But do you want to kind of discuss what you've been studying? Yeah. Uh, so I, I kind of mentioned earlier um, the the language around body modifications tends to be dominated by this transhuman. We're improving the body uh, rhetoric. Um, but interestingly enough, because body modifications like this can't be done by doctors, and it's a really bad idea to do it by yourself, although people do. Um, one of my favorite stories is a uh, woman in, uh, it was either Australia or New Zealand, um, installed an NFC chip in her hand, uh, but did it in her kitchen using a vegetable peeler, and actually ended up like having her hand go like septic, and she needed to go to the hospital. So 
for listening at home, please do not do these installations um, <laughs> on your own. Uh, but since you can't really do it on your own, you can't go to a doctor, the only other place to go are to piercing shops because they're the only other people who have like even remotely a similar expertise. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's this really interesting blend of like these, these techno body modification nerds and these tattoo and piercing artists where there's this whole new culture forming around like tattoo piercing body modification burlesque shows where they do like science fiction themed burlesque while they'll actually do live piercing as part of their performance. Um, and they call them like pincushion acts, right? Where like, and they, they um, just like how the installations are, are painful, there's like a celebration of that like pain that gets caused during the, the performance. Almost like a brotherhood or like a community of people. Yeah. So, what are some of the more interesting mods you've seen? Cause I'm assuming there's more than just the, um, the chip and the uh, magnet, right? Yeah, uh, so the chip and the magnet are probably the most mundane of the more technological ones. Uh, of the more mundane, um, non-technological ones, there's a lot of silicon mods that do, uh, uh, like if you see people getting implants, right, they have horns under their skin or, or something, yeah. that's just like a silicon implant. That's very, very common. Um, some of the newer stuff that's getting released, which I don't know if I'm going to go for, uh, Grindhouse Wetwares, I believe it is, just released an LED light that you can implant under your skin that you actually use an implanted magnet to turn on and off. And I think it can be lit up like 10,000 times or something. Uh, they also prototyped with a much larger device that was only meant to be in the body for a very short period of time that actually took um, uh, temperature measurements from inside the body. So it was like this huge battery pack and like they had to like install it. Yeah, it was... So they're they're experimenting with actually incorporating like electronics uh, and lights and uh, data gathering um, uh, information systems into the body. It's crazy because like I almost thought it was too much with just having this watch, you know. <laughs> I could sing my steps, my heartbeat. That's pretty mild compared to a battery powered machine inside my body constantly grabbing yeah. stuff. Do you see yourself? So you said that you weren't that interested in the very really extreme ones, but do you see yourself continuing with? your collection of body modifications? You know, I, I can't tell. Uh, there There is, like, as you mentioned earlier in the show, uh, there is kind of this weird addiction to it. So I the fact that I can't say no probably says something. Um, I guess I'm a, a secondary adopter. So I'll let, like, some of the people who I talk to try out this stuff first, see how well that goes over for them, and then we'll see. Um, it's a lot... <laughs> I mean, you have to be at least somewhat professional when you're an academic, right? So it's a lot easier <laughs> no to hide. No horns for you. Yeah, no horns for me. Uh, it's a lot easier to hide, like, a size of a rice grain magnet in my finger than it is to hide, like, a size of an American dollar coin jutting out LED light on my hand. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that th those might wait a little bit. Mm, understandably. <laughs> is there a community around all these body modifiers? Like, so you said there was, like, a very weird, like, body piercing and technology community coming together. Is like a subreddit? Do you guys have like a Google Plus hangout? Like what do you guys do to communicate? Uh, <laughs> so a lot of it is done actually just via Facebook groups um, and kind of word of mouth, like very old school, just like people hang out and you get to know each other and you pass along where different meetups are gonna be. Uh, there are a couple of online communities. Uh, one that was relatively famous um, that is kind of fallen off a bit now uh, was BME Zine. Um, which was Body Modification Extreme, I think it stood for. Uh, and that was a, a total online community 
uh, where they did stuff that's more extreme than even most of the people I know. So things like voluntary amputations. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, some like extreme hardcore um, body modification. I mean, I thought it's kind of cool, but stuff. I, I don't think I'm going to be getting amputated anytime soon. Um, that's good. That'll yeah. be a whole other episode if it does happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If wow. I if I have a stump for an arm, you can invite me back. Stay tuned, guys. Could you, I, I'm just curious. And this could be kind of getting off track, but could you speak to the motivation of a self amputation or some of these other just for the pain, the adrenaline rush? Yeah. So uh, I can't really speak to the motivation so much. Um, things when you get that extreme. Uh, Sometimes the, the rhetoric around it can be something like taking ownership of the body. Um, so this idea of like, hey, it's it's my body. I have my right to do whatever I want with it. And this is like me taking an ownership of it. Uh, sometimes it can be uh, an attempt to cure like a body dysmorphia disorder. Um, and other times there are, and I hesitate to use this language because people who get body modifications are generally very immediately marginalized into like, oh, you must have like something mentally wrong with you. Um, but there are certainly, uh, aside from that like problematic marginalization, there's also certain me mental health conditions that go into it too. And that's been documented where, um, yeah, some people uh, maybe shouldn't be getting the body modifications that they get for the reasons that they get them. That's interesting. Got <laughs> Yeah, this is really fascinating. Wow. It's a whole world I didn't really know about. Yeah. I my sister was pretty hardcore and she tried to pierce her ears. Yeah, like one day <laughs> I probably would get a tattoo, but like that's like in the far later time of my life, and that's like the most extreme I will go personally. Wow. But it does make me wonder, like, you know, we have an Apple Watch, and we're pretty much wearing little computers on our wrists. Like, what's the next step? Yeah, I think the weirdest part, actually, is how we're reacting to this, given the fact that we are essentially strapped into a piece of technology that does... Almost everything Jim do, Jim's pieces of technology do, just in a different form factor. Yeah, and it's just the same way of thinking that, like, probably 20 years ago, our parents would think, you know, getting a tattoo or wearing a computer on your wrist is crazy. You know, I don't want to be that uncool mom that's like, no, you can't do that. You know, I want to remain open-minded about what yeah. they decide to do. Absolutely. Huh. I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> um, but I guess just to really wrap it up, what's the biggest takeaway from you experiencing both body modifications? Uh, the biggest takeaway, um, you know, while the, the actual physical experiences have been uh, fascinating and great, uh, honestly, the biggest takeaway for me has been hanging out with the people who, who get them done and the people who do them uh, at the burlesque shows, at the tattoo parlors. I mean, it's, it's such a fascinating community who talks about body modification and talks about technology in such a radically different way than we're used to talking about it. And I think actually in a... Um, in some cases, a more productive and more like grounded way than a lot of the like high level like fantasy science fiction ways that we talk about it. Uh, so it's really made me rethink my own relationship with technology. Not as this technology always improves me. It also isn't always necessarily this horrible thing either. It just makes our experiences different, and different is okay. Hmm. Very cool. That's a good take on it. I, I that's new to me too. <laughs> uh, do you have any more questions, Rob? I have a lot of thoughts, but I'm good on questions. Okay. So, um, Jim, did you want to kind of just push whatever links you want to share with us? Any websites or anything you want to share? Oh, yeah, sure. So uh, you can follow my Twitter feed at, uh, at jmalazita. Um, and if you want, you can give my academia.edu page a couple hits and read some things that I've, I've written and uploaded on there uh, if you just search for uh, James Malazita on academia.edu. Cool. 
Thank you so much for being on the episode. Yeah. We really appreciate your time, especially tonight. It's a little bit later. We're college students, and you were graciously enough to come and talk to us about your body modifications. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks thank so much. This is great. Oh, thank you. It really made for a great 10th episode. Um, so you can find us on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, <laughs> TuneIn, and a whole other uh, plethora of podcasting subscri- uh, subscription We're going to try to get a link to that on Jim's hand. Yeah, we're going to make sure that when you touch your NFC chip onto his hand, it will go directly to the Tic Tac Talk website. Um, also, please follow us on Twitter at Tic Tac Talk Show. I'm also Candice Poon at Twitter, and Rob is rrusso44. Yep. Um, we also have a Facebook page. We also have Periscope. But you can find all the links at TicTacTalkShow.com. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.